Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm sitting here happily holding a fresh latte that Todd Mulliken brought me. So he is one of my favorite guests, I have to say. It has nothing to do with content, everything to do with the fact You're you bring a latte. To... <laughs> Appreciate that. Thanks for the conditional love. Oh, yeah, love let me back guy. up. Let me back up. No, it is the content. It's, of course, the content. And oh. then the bonus is I get a latte. Perfect. <laughs> so nice to have you here. Thanks, Bill. Todd's a uh, counselor and author, speaker on marriage and families. We love having Todd here. You can go to toddmulliken.com, M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N. So today, Todd, I, I want to talk to you about a number of things, and they have everything to do with our significant others, our family members, and our relationships. A couple things I want to talk about. One is how we're going to maintain healthy boundaries during the holidays and beyond. Mm. Because right. I'm sure there's some people with some hurt feelings today. For sure. Or some annoyances or irritations or whatever word you want to use. Yeah. They, we bump into them more loudly during this time of year, yes, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah, we can maybe be away from them for a while emotionally, but once we <laughs> run into them, we really feel it. Yeah. We do. Yeah, and boundaries are meant to give us direction and clarity. They're a marker for us to add so that we can maybe learn to walk alongside people in those difficult situations versus taking on all the emotions from the dialogues. Not easy to do. No. Mm. Right. So at least Especially with history. How do you overcome some of that long history? Yeah. Yeah. And there's certain events like Thanksgiving, Christmas, holidays, whatever, that have certain uh, things attached to them to start with. Could be. Yeah. Patterns that have been a long Patterns, time, yeah. right? That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Long time. Patterns, right? Yeah. I don't know how you navigate through those unless you just kind of take a lot of short breaths and hope you get through it. (laughs) There is that, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's good to know that not over the Thanksgiving table, but maybe at some point in our story with that person that that God's got in our heart today, we do want to have an honest conversation that is at least peacemaking on our side of the street. So we're wanting to say to... Uncle Joe or dad or mom or our adult son, hey, the last year has been hard. Here's what I've been sensing about our relationship. But how about you? Where are you at? What are you seeing? Mm-hmm. So we're we're trying to at least address the mess mm-hmm. uh, at some point prior to the holidays and seeing what type of interaction that creates and what kind of dialogue that creates. And so we're we're going to start with that boundary first. We get to proactively have an honest conversation about what we're noticing or what we're going through and at least trying to volley it so it doesn't come off like uh, an interrogation mm-hmm. or a judgment or a... You always want to play fair. We want to fight fair. We want to address in a peacemaking way. I like that. Yeah. In a peacemaking way. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, the avoider will just keep the peace and never talk about it. Yeah. Or the truth teller will 
talk about in a way that's yeah. not really very actively listening-based. I wonder how many people went into their Thanksgiving holiday with that white elephant that was there in the room. That was there, clearly, and it didn't get discussed, didn't get talked about, and there it, there it is. There it is. Yeah. And it'll show up again at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> it will. It doesn't go away. That's why I think it's good to know that we, once we have that honest conversation, then the something then we we are addressing is on the table now. So we can go to Thanksgiving and we have addressed the mess. We still might agree to disagree, mm-hmm. but God's still on the throne, by the way, right? And God's still in the business of healing lives and restoring hope. And so the nice part about the honest conversation is that for me, it feels like it gets us out of the estrangement club because it's really easy to get to join that club Mm -hmm. where, Hey, you know what? I'm tired of this. I don't want to talk to that person. Next thing you know, it's been 10 years where we haven't talked to that person. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not saying every time there's an estrangement issue, that's bad news all the time, but I'm saying ideally that I don't think that's our first move. So I think our first move as peacemakers is to come toward, not on Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Eve, but at some point, uh, come towards. And let's see if we can hear each other, agree to disagree, know that we're still hurt by what happened, but now it's on the table. So let's say it is a, a pattern of communication, Bill, that happened, and it's happening a lot in their story, the two brothers or a sister and a whoever. You know, whoever the two people are that we're, you know, the person that you and I are dealing with, where it's on the table now, we've talked about it. Here's what happens when we get into this mess, and here's how I'm feeling about what happened five years ago on a Tuesday, or here's what I'm feeling about the pattern of communication we've been in for a long time. But what do you see, or how do you see it? So we're we're trying to at least get it out in the open so it's transparent. Mm -hmm. That's the first move. Yes, and God bless you for making that move. You can't have any guarantee it'll it'll work out well. And it right. And the more difficult the person is, usually the less likely that it will go well. Mm-hmm. And what if that person has joined the estrangement club and they're they have removed themselves? They're they're at a distance. They're not connecting. And as a believer and a follower of Christ, you love them, you forgive them, but they're clearly letting you know they don't really want a whole lot to do with you. Yeah. What do you do with that? You just let it let it go. We then go to our second boundary. So we have two more boundaries that we can draw from, in my opinion. Okay. The second boundary is called loving detachment or medium chill, meaning we have addressed the mess. Uh, we've agreed to disagree. There is a, some distance between us, but we are choosing to still be in the same room a couple hours, you know, over Thanksgiving and a few hours over Christmas. And we're for that. And we're choosing to do that. And we're walking alongside, but we're not taking on the emotions. So loving detachment means we're respectful and cordial. We've done our part as a Christ follower to at least offer the olive branch, not in a like codependent way in peacekeeping. And we're going to share what we're hurt by too. But to your point, it doesn't go well. They're in the estrangement club. They want nothing to do with us. Then I think, you know, each case is different, of course, but we don't want to try to you know, rescue something in that moment, we want to say, hey, I'm hurt by the fact that we're still in this place. It's hard for me 
It's, I sense that you don't want to spend time with me. Is that accurate? This is what I'm sensing. So we're going to have some follow-up honest conversation. Mm-hmm. But still, at the end of the day, if you're right, Bill, like they don't want anything to do with us, I still personally think it's okay, you know, based on the situation and other people involved, right? Let's say there's 20 other people there. I don't personally want that one person to define my afternoon, right? I know that one person we are in discord with. They don't want to see me. But the truth is I want to see many other people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like my role in loving detachment mode is to, to still go and put my best foot forward. No, I've addressed the mess with this other person. And I don't want to be defined by how they see me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because then I'm being defined by that person's lack of forgiveness towards me. And I think that can be easy to do. Then we take that weight on. That's what I mean by walking alongside and how do I walk alongside and I have to be around this person and still be appropriate and healthy? And the way I can do that is being in loving detachment mode. Mm-hmm. What do you do, Todd, if you're being blamed for something and that person will never let that go? Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily agree. You can decide if that's a deal breaker or not. Now, and the truth is, like in a marriage of 33 years, in a family of 63 years, in a a friendship of 25 years, We, if we really want to get into it, we might still find something that we don't agree with, right? That's still something that happened seven years ago on a Tuesday we see very differently. But there's 40 other things we see the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things I talk about in conflict resolution is, you know, can we agree to disagree without playing Switzerland? You know, can we still before each other, even though we've got one area that we just don't see the same, you know, and let's say it's hard. Let's say it's a big one. Like, you know, they insisted that we did said something that we didn't say and they're hanging on to it. And so it's my job to not take that on, but to be true and say, here's how I see. And I guess we see that differently and I'm hurt by where you're going with it, but I'm here and I'm spending time with the rest of the family. And I know we have this divide within us, but I'm still going to be at the table with you. What about when this person you're involved with is not a Christian, not a believer? Maybe they're even hostile to your Christian beliefs Mm. and they think you're nuts. Oh, I don't know how this sounds. I hope it doesn't sound holier than thou. I don't mean it to be, but I I hope that what you and I can do as Christ followers, that's when I think we've got to put our big person pants on and go like, hey, I get it. You know, I get they think Christianity is a hoax or they think we're a bunch of this or we're that or we're a bunch of hypocrites. I hope we can go like, hey, you know, I, Christ is within me. The Holy Spirit is my is my actual counselor, not how this other person feels about the faith is my defining moment. So I think Jesus would, would have that person at his table, right? Mm-hmm. And so I need to be, in my opinion, the bigger person and let them in about how their view of Christianity lands for me. But I want to continue to have a conversation with that person. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's not the first person I want to call every day. But I don't know that avoiding it and then going in my holy huddle and saying this person's a loser is is really doing me any good either. Mm-hmm. That's just my view. Yeah. Well, Todd, I appreciate you having this uh, topic today because I know a lot of people are coming off of a holiday weekend, maybe they're licking their wounds a little bit and they're feeling a little bit yeah. beat up yeah, or ignored or their egos took a hit. It's really hard. And yeah, we just want to love on you today if you're in that mm. position. If you're feeling that uh, what happened over the weekend was not didn't go as well as you'd hoped, 
you've come to the right place for a little love. Yes. Yeah. And there's some grief in that too, right? We get to grieve with God about the fact that there is a a broken relationship there. It's just hard, but not as good as you want it to be. No. Yeah. And you know, and God gets to hold us in that and not fix it, but mm-hmm. but lock, you know, comfort us in it. Yeah. And and so I, I think what's really important for you and I to always remember, at least it is for me, is trying to oh, how do I try to integrate my faith into that moment? Versus take my faith and just escape. All right. I have a question regarding that very statement when we come back. Todd Mulliken is my guest. You can go to toddmulliken.com. It's M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N. We'll be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. I've got Todd Mulliken in studio. Talking about a number of things. Right before we went to break, we were uh, addressing the idea that when you Talk to someone, Todd, in your counseling practice. Do you have a tendency of leading with more of a softer pastoral sort of uh, response, or do you come in with more of a structured doctrinal sort of, well, here's what you are doing wrong, and here's what you can do better? Well, I hope I'm doing the former. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way I said it, it was not very good. No, no, I... I think what you're talking about there is, you know, grace upon grace versus using truth as a hammer versus using truth as a way of of uh, engagement. You know, I can I can speak truth in a way that's saying, here's, you know, what I sense in the scriptures and how is that landing for you and what are you hearing from that? You know, so it's it's that, you know, it's that classic truth and grace mix, right? Mm-hmm. But when somebody is in going through pain, it is about the comfort and the encouragement and and helping them trying to figure out what are they sorting out and what are their next steps and how do they, you know, move their dependency into the Holy Spirit, guiding them and knowing that they are enough and it's going to be okay, even if it's really, really hard. Yeah. Right? Because what happens in when we get hurt is we take it on and then we're defined by that person's voice emotionally versus more defined by what we know is true. And, you know, and that's where I think forgiveness comes in and understanding and releasing resentment so that we know, like, hey, this is a really difficult person in our universe Mm -hmm. that we're dealing with, and maybe on a regular basis. So how do I find that middle ground of saying, here's where I'm at, here's what what I'm impacted by, by what's happening, how do you see it? So I'm still going to be for an interaction. And then if they come back and interrogatively, because that's usually what those types of people do, Bill, they they don't want to interact. They want to interrogate. They don't want to be heard. They don't want to listen. They want to be right. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. I bet everybody's got someone in their, in their life they could picture right now, and they would say, this person is never going to apologize for yeah. what they did. Right. You're right. So what do you do with that? Well, hopefully we're not defined by that. Okay, good. Right? Hopefully mm-hmm. we're going, how much bandwidth is that giving us? You know, the forgive as the Lord forgave you stuff, Colossians three twelve through 14, is about even when you have a grievance against somebody else, 
right? We, we've got to, you know, go to forgiveness there, which means I, I really actually understand this person's story. You know, I understand why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that, I think that helps us understand that person better so that we can stay strong in who we are in Christ and still dialogue with them when we want to or create space. The third boundary I was going to mention is actual separation boundary, Bill. So sometimes we have loving detachment boundary with difficult situations that aren't resolved in honest conversations. And sometimes we have actual separation where we need time away because it is too toxic. It is abusive. It is you know, really not safe emotionally or physically. Mm -hmm. And then we have to say, hey, you know, this situation for me has become untenable. And unless we get a third party involved, I just, I've got to take some time and take some space. I don't think that's the first move, but I think there are places and times when that can happen. Mm -hmm. All right. How do we increase forgiveness and release resentments? How do we do that? I, I, I would think that for me, that's a top, you know, top three to five things I see in couples that have drifted Yeah, is that uh, it's moved from transformational transactional oftentimes due to unresolved hurts that are now in resentment bank accounts that are gaining some interest. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as that is gaining interest then forgiveness is we can't even get our arms around what that means. Right, the resentment is louder than the capacity to forgive, and what resentment does is it just it, it immobilizes us. It it makes it impossible to to even grow ourselves, in my opinion. And I, what I notice in general, Bill, is like people that tend to avoid situations tend to be a little bit more vulnerable to then building resentment more. Right, So they have a difficult situation with their spouse or family member four years ago on a Wednesday. And they, it doesn't matter what I say anyway. They're just going to get upset. Or I already know what I'm going to hear, so I don't want to talk about it. And that's okay. But if I'm that person, I've got to make sure I don't then go and build resentment against. I've got to be able to say, I'm choosing not to interact, and that's on me to not interact, versus get my truth out Hey, we've had this conversation before. Here's how it goes. I'm really struggling with our relationship right now. It's really hard for me. How about you? And then they, you know, maybe then they're too doctrinally based, like you said, back. They're very, like, pharisaical back. Mm -hmm. You know, they're throwing stones versus having any kind of peacemaking, right? So when with somebody like that that's untenable, that's just throwing stones versus trying to make some peace, then that's when we go to that other boundary, Right. And we protect ourselves, but we still choose to forgive, in my opinion. And forgiving doesn't mean we don't create a boundary. You've heard me talk about the forgiveness mindset versus the hurt mindset. Mm, say, say, the, say more about that yeah, again. So the forgiveness mindset, I think we it's harder to operate under, Bill. I think usually what happens is when we get hurt by a family member or a spouse or a friend or whatever, and that hurt just isn't resolved, then we stop. We stop moving towards, we stop, we start increasing self-protection. Mm. We we start not trusting their intentions and we start building resentments. So that's the hurt mindset. And I think it gets us stuck and I think it's hurtful to us to continue in that. The forgiveness mindset validates the hurt we felt, creates a boundary with that person, shares what's on our mind with that person, but also releases them from what they've done. Okay which I believe we're called to do. 
So and I think we get that mixed up sometimes. You know, forgiveness doesn't mean we've forgotten, but forgiveness releases us because we're releasing the injured party for what they've done. And the best way I know how to do that in my own life is I have understanding about why the person is struggling the way they are. You know, there's what, what's in their story <laughs> that's made them become like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives us wisdom to know that and not be codependent on it and not to enable or coddle or do something that's not healthy, but it helps us have understanding so we're not taking it on and building resentment against. I think that's the difference for us. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, you know, resolve the fact that we, you know, it's still a difficult situation and we've been hurt, but it makes the hurt not turn into resentment. I think the resentment really is a game changer. It's a crusher, especially a crusher in marriage, Bill, when a pair, you know, a couple has had a pattern for five to 10 years, it's hard. And then one of the people really starts to figure it out and they want to get better and they're doing some good work. And the other person's folding their arms going, no, I'm not letting you in. No, no, no. Too little, too late. No. Wow. Don't mm-hmm. join you in that. And more often than not, my experience has been that person who's folding their arms is oftentimes the person that has been avoiding the hard conversations because it's not going to go well anyway. So the older I get, the more I think avoiding messes is as unhealthy as creating messes. So uh, if I'm going to avoid a hard conversation, that's fine, but i in my opinion, I better not then build resentment against that person. I better have good boundaries. I need to share what's on my mind. I think, you know, Christ calls us to those hard conversations, even if they don't go well. And that's okay. God's still with us. God's still encouraging us. But I think we want to be those people that are trying to make peace versus avoid difficulty. Well said, Todd Mulliken. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all got that, right? Yeah. So I, the beauty of the forgiveness, and I think God designed forgiveness for that reason, right? Because everybody's got hurt. And uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I have resentment against somebody, it's just, it, it's, it's, it, it's hop, it hops on my rumination wheel. Mm-hmm. And I have a party there, and I personally think Satan's laughing all the way to the bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your, your, your eyes are off the prize. Like, hey, that person's broken as you are. You need to let them know how you feel. You need to be honest. You need to be a peacemaker. You need to bring, and it didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. That's okay. If it doesn't work, it still means you're being honest, you know, and you're being authentic and you're being integrous mm-hmm. by trying to make peace, even if the other person doesn't want to play ball. They want to go to the estrangement club. That's, they can do that. But I, I better not. Very take... pricey membership over there. It is. It's Extremely expensive. Yes. Yeah. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back more with Todd Mulliken. You can go to toddmulliken.com to learn more about Todd, his books, his counseling, his speaking. It's all there. We'll be back in just a minute. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. 
faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. In the studio is Todd Mulliken. He's a counselor and author and a speaker on marriage and families. Does an outstanding job of counseling. If you are in that need, you can always go to toddmulliken.com. Check it out. So, uh, Todd, right before the break, I said I had something I wanted to throw at you, and here it is. When people talk about their feelings, and I, you know, I want to honor feelings, but can we substitute the word feelings for ego? Do your feelings get hurt? Or does your ego get snubbed? Oh. See, there's my profound thought wow. I was talking about. <laughs> you know? Because what are feelings? I mean, yeah. I know I appreciate f- the idea of feelings, but yes. the idea that my my ego has been uh, snubbed. And mm-hmm. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. That traces it back to pride and traces it back to um, maybe a, a rigid heart and all that. Yeah, I mean, the roots can go to a lot of different yeah. places, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think in general, some people are more feeling-based and some people no, are agree. more thinking-based. I agree. And so, you know, I, I think both styles can go to defensive posturing when, yeah. when we're getting hurt. But or, if you hurt but, my feelings, yes. I would I would, I'd say to you, I would think, well, what happened? i go, well, you didn't respect me. Mm-hmm. That's an ego thing, right? Because mm-hmm. you should respect me. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and then the best we can do on our side of the street is not be defined by where they went with it, but clarify what our intentions were. And as I'm clarifying what my intentions were, and in my opinion, at that point, it's up to them how they want to handle it. But I want to at least, in my opinion, peacemake by clarify, oh, I, I see that's where you went with it. Here was my intention. And then if they say, well, I don't believe that was your intention. I believe you meant to hurt me. Then what happens is, you know, a lot of people are, you know, easily offended by something, Mm -hmm. right? If it's something we disagree with them on, a person can get easily offended. So you've heard me say, speak without offending, listen without defending. Mm -hmm. It's really hard when we're on the list. You know, it's easier to say something difficult than it is to listen to something difficult. Right. <laughs> you know, when we're listening to something difficult about us, it's really hard. It's hard to do that well. Mm-hmm. So I think. And isn't that attacking your ego? Yeah. At some level. At some level. Right. So we have to be able. You're right. I mean, it gets back to a source of like, well, why am I feeling like that? This person's intention was just to share what is true in their mind and let's have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at the root of it is usually a bruised, you know, a bruised place of pain. Right. And it, it's oftentimes, you know, when we talk about attachment styles, a lot of times it's somebody that grew up with an insecure attachment style. That parent convert, parent-child conversation wasn't resolved very well, and they're left alone in the feelings. So now somebody else comes at them 30 years later in the same way. It's like, whew, you know, they're just in, you know, they're just feeling overwhelmed because there was no attachment, there was no soothing process to help them learn how to gain traction in those difficult moments. Mm-hmm. So it can be an ego thing, uh, but a lot of times it's a it's a scared thing. Like yeah. when I have give people the feeling sheet, mad, sad, scared are the, the hard feelings, and next mm-hmm. to them are a bunch of feelings that mean that same word. And most people are by the scared feelings of insecurity, inadequacy, anxiety, insignificance, and so a lot of people in those moments are really just scared because they're alone in those feelings. And so they'll defend and attack back 
because they feel attacked, mm-hmm. even if our intention wasn't to attack. I think I can talk to myself more easily when it involves my ego, because I think I, I have to kill my ego most of the time. You yeah, know, you think you deserve certain things, or mm. people should treat you a certain way, or you know, mm. that that I can I think I can deal with more head on, yeah. and and give that to the Lord because mm. your feelings are what they are, right? Right. The feelings are, yeah. I, and I'm I'm more the counselor that says because sometimes counseling will say my primary purpose is just to validate their feelings all the time. And I go, I go kind of a step further. I want to validate what the person's feeling, but I also want to say, but what are you also thinking about that situation? Right. So, I mean, if if my feeling is something that is it's valid, but the person who's coming towards you, it wasn't intended for that reason, I get to try to realign what my feeling, or if my feelings are, I'm really being hard on myself and, you know, excessive guilt about something that's really shame-based, you know, and I'm in that feeling mode of feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, it's it's my own sense of insecurity that's going on there versus, okay, how to remember that I am loved, I am enough in Jesus, and here's what's going on, and he's holding me in that. So let me reestablish what my feelings are and move them from this irrational thought to this rational thought. And that's ideally what we do when feelings get, you know, difficult and problematic. But it's hard for people to do that. Yeah. Really is yeah. So I'm trying to look something up here real quick. Keep talking. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think our, make our, one more point, and I'll I'll have it by <laughs> I'll have it by that time. No, I think what you're, what you're bringing up so wise about you know when people are responding with a feeling, I think it's okay for us just to sit with that and say, well, tell me more about it. What else are you experiencing with that? But it's really good in the spirit of peacemaking is for me to clarify what my intentions were mm-hmm. not to rescue the person from it. You know, the Holy spirit does a rescuing, but I'm going to, in a point of place of integrity, say what my intention was. And I want to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Here's the verse. Psalm 18 verse 16 says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes, who were too strong for me. Mm. I mean, that's not about feelings. That's about rescue. That's about, mm-hmm. that is thinking. That's a truth I can speak to myself, regardless of how I feel. You know that to be true. I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. And you may have feelings about it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I want those to be second fiddle. Yeah. And you want to make your decision based on that truth. and, I want and my thinking to lead. Run. Right. Yeah. I want I mean, to run towards that. Yeah. Jesus in the wilderness when he's being tempted by satan mm-hmm. always responded with it is written mm-hmm. he's, he's responding with his thinking mm-hmm. scripture is coming right out of him mm-hmm. he doesn't respond with his feelings like mm-hmm. oh you're right i am hungry those stones would make some good bread <laughs> a little peanut butter on it maybe <laughs> creamy or chunky oh chunky okay yeah oh, sorry really hear about that yeah. really yeah creamy all the way rosie really? can you break the tie what's the tie sorry Bill, I really do love working with you. It's creamy for sure. All day long. Uh, I've enjoyed the both of you. (laughs) At least that's how I feel about it, Bill. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So if you're thinking, you speak truth to yourself, I think you'd always are going to feel God's love, God's comfort, God's sovereignty in your life. Mm. Even when your feelings are in trouble. Yeah. And... 
what we need to make sure is we understand some people really naturally feel things deeply. Some people think very deeply. Um, but I hear what you're saying about, you know, that's what I believe too, is I want to know what I'm feeling and have God hold me in that. And then I want to know what I'm thinking and make my decisions there. Mm-hmm. So I get that. Yep. I like so the boundary stuff, I think it's good for us to know when we're trying to, when we've been in these difficult places, just to know boundaries are clarifying, they're, they help us know that God is on the throne and we're in a difficult situation, but he's holding us in it. And I'm just, I, I guess I see a lot these days, Bill, last couple of years where we're not interested in peacemaking as much. We're interested in being right. Mm-hmm. We're interested in having a last word, Larry. Yeah. That's not helping us and that's at not all. Fu- no. No. So let's make peace by trying to understand other people's perspectives, even if it's very different than ours. And how do we do that? Well, Listen, I think that, that gets us on our toes versus our heels more, I think. Mm-hmm. Would it involve listening? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just vi- visualize James and all that he's talking about with taming the tongue and listening and the prayer of a righteous person availeth much and true religion is, you know, giving, helping widows, you know, in need and just you know he was all over that stuff yeah. act quick to listen mm-hmm. listening is a lost art right yeah i think it's viewed as weak or passive or uh not strong enough hmm. you know versus i don't know about you but even like a best friend you would have or i would have i don't really typically need my best friend to tell me what to do or fix my problems just i need a good friend just to kind of listen to what I have to say and just try to, just by getting it out and getting my thoughts out, that really helps. I know when Laura does that, she's really good at that. My wife, it's like, that just really helps. Like, get it out versus being fixed or solved and problem solved. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I think if we if we can just become really good listeners as Christians, it's not passive. I think sometimes we feel like we're not fixing things enough if we don't get that last word in and make sure people really understand what we think. I don't know if this is good radio or not, but I always try to wait until my guest has completely stopped talking and has completed their thought. And I look at them thinking, are you going to say anything else or should I ask another question? I think that's that's more profound than the other thing you brought up. Really? By right, a mile. I thought that was amazing. So do you have to be intentional about that? Oh, very much so. And a lot of times I'll, I will... I'll, I'll have an idea of what I want to ask next, but as I continue to listen, the idea disappears in my head, and then I'm panicked. Sometimes, sometimes you have to interject with the question just so you remember it. So that's why I've got this little notepad right here. I jot stuff down. But don't you think people feel heard then because they, yeah, I mean, especially introverted people, they find interruptions really distracting and really, uh, really un, not helpful. Whereas sometimes extroverts don't mind kind of interrupting each other, but I'm with you on that. I think we got to slow our roll down about getting that last word and making sure our friend, our you know, our Christ follower friend, our unbeliever friend is really done. And then I would even not as a therapist, but as a friend, ask another question. Tell me more about that. I think I don't know about you, but I think I want to be that person that asks other people about their lives more than I am being in a room full of mirrors. What does that mean? Well, if I'm in a room full of mirrors, I usually bring the conversation back to me and talk for an hour, right? <laughs> right versus, mm-hmm. hey, let's 
before others in that. And that's another way of making peace. Even if somebody that we've had a difficult conversation with three weeks ago, even if there's a white elephant in the room, we did address it three weeks ago and it's still not resolved, but we still get to be peacemaking. I think the alternative is worse. The alternative alternative is resentment building, victim-based, and then we're on our heels. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, we're bringing, we're making peace that's coming from a place of contentment in Christ. All right, I'll take a little break. When I come back, I want to ask my guest, Todd Mulligan, how to um, build a real healthy attachment. I don't think that's an easy topic, and we're going to cover it when we come back. ToddMulligan.com. You go to his website to learn more about Todd, Todd, M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N.com. Be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. Todd Mulligan's my guest. And Todd, right before the, we went to break, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about healthy attachments. There's plenty of people with unhealthy attachments and they're suffering. Mm. So I don't know how to solve that issue in 12 minutes. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we were talking about increasing forgiveness and releasing resentments. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I've worked with lots of couples on is when they're in that place, they're in an argument, they're having a tough conversation, and then they're done. I, I'd like, I like to have both of them kind of reflect a bit and then come back and attach and own their own part in what happened. So a part of a healthy attachment as a couple, as a family member, you know, a couple family members is coming back and soothing, not necessarily solving the problem, but coming back with like, hey, here's my take. I love you. I'm for you. I'm sorry for those words. Or, you know, I froze you out for half a day. That's on me. And that's what secure attachment looks like Mm -hmm. in real time in difficult situations. So attachment styles have been around forever, but there's basically a secure attachment style like we have with Jesus where... You know, like an infant has with their parent, right, where they feel loved and nurtured and they go out and play. And they come back and they go out and play. They feel that secure base that we have with God. We always know we can go to the Lord with anything and difficult days and easy days. And then we go out and play and then come back. Mm -hmm. So it's a secure base. So I'd like couples to develop that secure base even because in their times of joy and they're having a great run, it's like it's not that hard to be for each other and yay. But in the tough spots, most that's when most people develop more of an insecure attachment style. And the two main, there's many, but the two main insecure attachment styles are anxious and avoidant. So anxious attachment style, Bill, means when, when there's stuff that's unresolved and it's sitting there, that anxious person gets preoccupied with what isn't done well yet and what's what their spouse said to them and they're ruminating on and they can't let go of it and then they oftentimes vacillate with their feelings like they really really love this person and they can't stand this person they're vacillating back and forth so they're they're in their anxiety and their fear they're they're really preoccupied the avoidant attachment style is the other insecure one and that usually is dismissive they shut down under stress they turtle up under stress 
and they just shut down. And that's their way of kind of coping. So oftentimes the anxious one creates more of a hailstorm under stress and the avoidant one becomes more of a turtle under stress. And then that couple can really be frustrated with each other. So I have the turtle come out to play more and know that they are loved by God and know that their spouse is still for them, even though they had a hard conversation. So come back sooner than you want. And I have the hailstorm person try to be careful with their words and try to interact, not interrogate, and try to do their part to come back in a way that's emotionally regulated. And that's what I work with couples on in developing that secure attachment style, that even in the difficult times, we can come back. We're still a little, we're frustrated by what happened, but we come back and know we're for each other and we're each owning our own part. And that's when you see, you know, the beauty of that is that creates a secure attachment style. And then usually if the, if the couple has kids, they're usually doing, they're usually parenting that way too, that, you know, the, you know, the parent is kind of had a bad day with a 15 year old and really just overreacted. Well, a good leader, a good parent owns that to their 15 year old and tries to come back and say, Hey, for that, I'm really sorry. That's on me. How are you doing? And we're soothing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Soothing doesn't mean yeah. we're, you know, coddling. We're just soothing. And that's what a secure attachment looks like. Todd, when you said, uh, you've said this a number of times that we're for each other, but maybe is step one asking that question, are we for each other? What if that's not a given? It oftentimes isn't when we're hurt. Okay. So when we're in that hurt mindset. That's a, I mean, it's a lovely thing to say, we're for each other. Right. But what if they're not? Yeah. If they're not, then ideally they have to challenge that and say, okay, what, what's that based on? And what am I for now? Am I for trying to restore? Am I for forgiving? Am I for trying to re have that hard conversation? So I'm for trying to figure things out. If I'm not, if I'm against, then I have to decide what am I still going to do, right? That's why I like to frame things in what we're for, because usually we're defined by what we're against. And that usually leads to passivity, victimization, and then nothing ever gets better. So the four, I think, creates a posture of confident humility that comes towards even in difficult situation. But you're right. When we're hurt, we don't f- want to say, I'm, I'm for you. In that moment, I'm hurt by you. I'm, I'm frustrated. I don't even trust your intention right now. And that's why I try to have people move into that forgiveness mindset, which is because I don't know about you, but, you know, most of the time I'm not waking up that given day hoping to make life hard on my spouse or one of my kids or a coworker. I'm not waking up intending harm. But when we get hurt, we oftentimes feel like that person is trying to create harm in us or to us. I don't really see anywhere in scripture where Jesus talked about hurt feelings. Does he ever, I mean, mm. you think of the garden of Gethsemane, Hey, will you guys kind of stay awake with me and pray? They're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they couldn't even do that. No. And it didn't say that he went off with hurt feelings. No. To be alone with the father. Yeah. I, I don't I mean, know how he handled disappointment. And well, he, we, he wept once. Right? Of course so he did, know yeah. And of course, take, mm-hmm. take this cup from me if you can, you know. Um, so I think, obviously, he had lots of, you know, the Lord showed lots of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the healthy attachment, Todd, is not only critical to good relationship, but if you are not in a good, healthy attachment, 
step one is try to get honest, right? It is. Yep. And that is, once again, you have to be extremely vulnerable. You do. And I think that could backfire. Yeah. And then, then when it backfires, it means we're defined by the reaction of the person. Okay, it never backfires if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So, yeah. But a lot of times we go into the situation and we put way too much emotional money on how the other person responds versus being more defined by what my intentions are towards my spouse, towards my adult child, whoever I'm thinking about today. All I can do as a Christ follower is know I'm trying to be integrous and I'm trusting my motives in Jesus to do the best I can and to not be as defined by how it goes. Because especially people, pleaser types, are too defined by how it goes. And when it doesn't go well, then they feel like they did it wrong or it wasn't worth it anyway. And we don't see that in Scripture. We see even when there was a mess, Jesus, you know, addressed the mess, right? It didn't go well in situations it with didn't. the Pharisees no. and lots of situations. The, the disciples still were sleeping or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. It didn't always go well. So I think it's really critical, especially for those of us that are, you know, that give, 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 give a lot. We we sometimes get too caught up with how it goes uh, versus being caught up more in what my intentions are coming towards that situation. And that helps us remain confident in who we are in Christ and less defined by how it goes. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, the most difficult person in our universe is getting a lot of our bandwidth. And we're up there a lot thinking and overthinking and ruminating about that versus, okay, here's the truth, here's the plan, here's my next step with this situation, and that's my truth, and that's what I'm going with. I prayed about it, I asked an accountability person about it, that's my next step with that very difficult situation. That's what is true. That's what I'm going with. Now I'm going to go out and do life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, and that's another way we get out of that anxious attachment style. People that have anxious attachment style get preoccupied with the one thing that's really loose change versus mm-hmm. I don't want them to avoid it. I just don't want them to ruminate. Ruminate mm-hmm. usually leads to ruinate. <laughs> so when we ruminate on something, it usually ruins us a mm. lot. Yeah, and Todd, has the last couple of years with COVID increased all this anxiety um, in general? Overall, for sure. They've come in with the anxiety way higher than normal? It's never, my practice has never been this busy. I mean, it's it's never been that way in 35 years. Hmm. Never. And I think it's just because of that. It is. It's because the chronic stressor of the pandemic and then the different viewpoints on it and the different reactions that we have with people that feel differently and... And it's just, it can be really a divider. Not to mention people are also reevaluating their life. Do I want to continue in this profession, this occupation? You know, there's people saying, do I want to stay in this relationship? There's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. And it's a chronic stressor and we need to continue to be in prayer about how to be peacemaking in that and know that, you know, Christ is going to hold us through this whole time and not Mm. just to wait it out, but to be active and coming towards others. I like that. That's all good. Todd, I appreciate you uh, spending time with us today. Thanks, Bill. I hope you have a great rest of your holiday season. Have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah. I don't see you. Probably won't see you until after Christmas, but I I also hear you made the uh, pilgrimage to Notre Dame and saw a game. I did. We've not spoken about with my that. wife. <laughs> but, uh, our friend Jay is probably listening right now. <laughs> he might be. His son Quinn plays at Notre Dame, and you went and 
I took did. in the experience. I took it all in. That's pretty. It cool. was a beautiful day, actually, yeah. too. It didn't hurt. That's <laughs> gorgeous. Good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Phil, for having yep. me. Yep. Todd Mullican has been my guest. You can go to toddmullican.com. That's M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N. Say, if you have not signed up for our prayer devotional email, I really invite you to do that. Uh, start every week with a prayer that's uh, sent right to your inbox. And you can sign up today at myfaithradio.com. Again, prayer sent to your inbox every week. It's the start of every week. And you can go to myfaithradio.com. And a special thanks to Todd Mullican for his time today. If you had one of those tough relationship things happen over the weekend with family or friends, uh, I hope what Todd said today was helpful. Uh, you can always uh, let me know if you need prayer. You can always go to the myfaithradio.com and sign up for prayer as well. You can also text a prayer request to 877-933-2484. We always want to be here for you. I hope you have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.